You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Shropshire? How wonderful! My travel series continues on to Shropshire, where we spent a wonderful two weeks in the beautiful West Midlands of England, where I acquired another 12 cameras. Not even joking. Keep listening and find out how this happened, and also keep listening for the details of a very special film giveaway competition, where you, yes you, could win a bumper stash of 35mm film sent to you anywhere in the world in early December. I'm Matt Murray and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Film cameras. Instant cameras. And everything analogue photography related. My friends, how are you? I hope you are well wherever you are all around the world. Welcome to another episode of Matt Loves Cameras. It's been, what, three weeks since the last episode. I've been very busy in the last three weeks. I've been meaning to record this episode for so long, uh, but other things have just got in the way. So uh, I've been busy selling camera equipment. You'll be glad to hear that. In the last week alone, I've sold two Instax, two Polaroids and a big bag of vintage camera stuff, which was really good. I got a bit more money in my wallet now, which is great. Might take the family out for dinner tonight to celebrate. So I'm slowly getting rid of my stuff. Um, on the other hand, I have been buying a few more things here and there. So, for example, I just bought a big bulk lot of Agfa film. I haven't shot much Agfa film in the past, but there was a, a guy called Glenn in Perth here in Australia who was selling a big lot of Agfa 200, Agfa 400, and the Agfa 100 slide film. So I just had to buy it. Uh, so that's now in my fridge, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting stuck into a bit of that. I've also been out there testing cameras. So I've had a few little arrivals lately. I had a Minox GL that I bought from Germany for $50. Uh, That was a real good buy, um, assuming that the camera works. Uh, It's a funny little camera to use though. I wouldn't say it's as easy to use as my other little camera that looks like a Minox, which of course is the Voigtlander Vito C, which I've done an episode about on Matt Loves Cameras. If you go to the website and have a look or or go to your podcast catch you'll find that one there the smallest 35mm camera ever Balder made Voigtlander Vito C so this is out of the same stable this is the Minox GL um, but yeah I'm just waiting to see if this works okay it was it was pretty cheap it said it was working condition so I've got a test roll in there at the moment and I've just got to finish that off I also did a test roll for my latest arrival from Japan. Uh, I sold a, a, while, a load of stuff a while back, so I actually bought an Olympus Pen FT with the beautiful 40mm 1.4 lens. Of course, that is a half-frame camera. And I think it's uh, it might be the first camera I've ever had that has a vertical viewfinder. It is so cool and so fun. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't think that just the change of viewfinder would change your photography, but I love that camera. It also has a really amazing shutter sound. Um, I'll actually do the shutter sound for you here. Where's the camera? Hang on. So here we go. I've just got it here. So I'll wind it on. 
Okay, well, maybe maybe it doesn't sound quite as impressive on the podcast as it does when it's in your hand, but it has a really lovely kind of wind-on and shutter, shutter sound. Um, in comparison to the Minox I was just telling you about, it's got a really pathetic shutter sound. It barely makes a sound at all. It makes you feel like you're not doing anything. Uh, so I've been testing those two cameras. And the other one I got a good deal on lately was the Konica Big Mini, which is a well-known point and shoot. Uh, and I think a lot of people a few years ago went crazy over them because they were pretty cheap and they gave good results. The prices have, of course, risen. And the Big Mini is not known to be a camera that kind of holds up uh, over time in terms of its functions uh, so a lot of them just don't work anymore the one that I had that, that I bought I got a good deal on it was billed as a perfect working camera but as soon as I played around with it for two minutes I determined that the flash is broken flash doesn't work uh, so I'm currently doing a test roll now to see if there's any other issues but fingers crossed it will work okay <laughs> Another thing I've been doing lately is I've been writing a few more articles for Digital Photography School, which is a, a very well-known website, uh, mainly aimed at the beginner to intermediate uh, photographer. So I've written some articles for DPS. I've just written one on 17 tips for shooting better urban portraits, the best Fujifilm X-Series kit for urban portraits, and how to choose urban landscapes for portrait photography. So I'll put a link up on the show notes to uh, all of my articles on Digital Photography School. So if you if you like shooting with digital and uh, you want to see some of my photos and my articles, I, w- I would love it if you could have a look and let me know what you think. Well, that was a very long introduction, but let me get back into the podcast now. My name's Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. It's actually been very hazy and smoky over the last few days. We've got a lot of bushfires going on in Australia at the moment, and the air quality, we usually have beautiful fresh air here in in Brisbane, here in Australia, Uh, but the air quality is really seriously bad, especially if you've got asthma. So myself and the kids haven't been too good the last few days, but hopefully the air will clear soon and those fires will get put out. This podcast is all about analog photography. In each episode of the show, I will talk about a different film or instant camera, telling you about its features, its history, what it's like to use and what kind of photos you can expect from it. This episode, though, is part of a series of travel specials about our trip. I was about to say our recent trip, but it was actually quite a while ago now. I haven't caught up um, at our trip to uh, Hong Kong, Switzerland and England. So today's episode is about shooting film in Shropshire. You can see the photos that I talk about in this episode on the show notes at mattlovescameras.com and also I'll put a select few up on the Instagram at mattlovescameras. So you may remember in episode 20, the last episode of Matt Loves Cameras, we spent an amazing five days, four nights in beautiful Switzerland. We had such a good time, great weather. We had a lot of good things to see and do and really, really loved it. Uh, A lot of people have actually got in touch with me uh, after the episode talking about the fondue incident. Yes, well, you live and learn, friends, don't you? So I'm glad that gave quite a few of you a chuckle and uh, let it be a lesson to you if you ever go to Switzerland. Um, Be careful of those Chinese fondues. So on the Friday evening, we left Geneva and we arrived a couple hours later in a very rainy Birmingham in England. Not Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham in England. It was absolutely pouring. So I lived in England for 12 years, 12, 13 years. 
Uh, and usually the, the rain in England is pretty gentle and it's just constant. This, however, was Aussie-style rain. It was a downpour. It was bucketing down. So on the way to the rental car place at the airport, we got drenched. We had all these bags with us and we were pretty much soaking by the time we got into the car. It was about ooh, an hour, hour and 10 minute drive to a place called Shifnal in Shropshire, where we rented a place from Airbnb. So we rented a barn, uh, a beautiful big old barn from Airbnb. Now, a lot of you, if you're not from the UK or if you haven't visited the UK, there's a lot of places in the country in England, a lot of old sort of farmhouses and stuff. And people, what people do is they convert their barns into living accommodation. So this was a, a big old barn, very big open space, very high ceilings, and they converted it into a living accommodation, which they then rented out through Airbnb. So we arrived at this place in the country. It was right next to a golf course. It was absolutely bucketing down. And uh, we met the lady who ran the Airbnb and she had a nice roaring fire going, which was lovely because it was a little bit chilly with all the rain. And uh, it was actually a really, really nice place, the barn. There was a massive downstairs area with a lounge room and a dining room, sort of all open plan. There was a small kitchen and a bathroom. Uh, there was an air hockey table. Oh my gosh, there was a full-size air hockey table, which the kids absolutely loved. And of course, there was that roaring fire as well, which was magnificent. And then there's also a little spiral staircase in one of the corners. And you went up there, which is where the beds were. So on the landing area, there was like a sofa bed. And then you sort of had to jump up. Well, not jump up. You had to sort of step up through a hole. There was no steps. So you had to step up about 60 centimeters, two feet, and go through this hole into the sort of loft area where the double bed was. Uh, so yeah, it was a bit of an adventure, really, <laughs> getting into your bed every night, having to crawl through this hole. So it was a very cool, sort of typically English kind of accommodation. So that was really nice. And after about half an hour or so, uh, my wife's family arrived and we had a lovely dinner. So it was very nice to see them again. We hadn't seen them for a couple of years. It was lovely. So the barn was our base in the lead up to my sister-in-law's wedding, which was the following week. So we spent a week at the barn and then we moved on to some other family accommodations. So we moved on to stay with my wife's auntie and uncle, which was lovely. And then with my sister-in-law, we stayed with near the end of our trip. Uh, that was the, the lady who was getting married. Uh, of course, in the lead up to the wedding, we didn't stay with her. A lot of stuff was going on and we didn't want to be in the way. So yeah, it was cool. We had two weeks in Shropshire. So I'm actually going to go through my highlights of staying in Shropshire and just a reminder where Shropshire is it's just to the west of Birmingham Birmingham is Britain's or the United Kingdom's second largest city after London and it's pronounced Birmingham if you live in England it's not Birmingham um, certainly Aussies love to call it Birmingham or they, and they call Nottingham Nottingham um, but it's Birmingham. Uh, I'm not sure what the Americans call their Birmingham. What do you call your Birmingham? Do you call it Birmingham, Alabama? I don't know. Um, <laughs> let me know. Uh, let me know so I can do the correct pronunciation if I ever go there. So the first highlight of staying in Shropshire for two weeks was staying at the barn. I've already described the barn to you. It was a really, really beautiful place. Uh, it was lovely to be out in the country. And certainly, guys, if you ever do go to the UK, don't just go to the cities. I mean, the cities are fantastic. You know, London, Edinburgh, uh, York, Bristol. 
But don't just go to the cities. Get out of the cities and go to the country. I love the English countryside and the Welsh countryside and the Scottish countryside. It's beautiful. Get out there and see the country. Now, although the barn was really cool, after a couple of days, I remembered um, (laughs) from many, many years ago uh, when I got married to my first wife, we lived in a barn conversion. And after a couple of days, I remembered what it's like living in a barn conversion. So you've got all these exposed beams everywhere. And of course, it isn't, it wasn't made for accommodation. It's been converted to accommodation. So you end up, what you end up doing is you end up cracking your head on the wooden beams all the time. Um, I think almost every one of us in the family did crack our head on a wooden beam going up the spiral staircase at night and down the spiral staircase at 2am when he needed to go to the bathroom not fun and we were constantly worried about the kids waking up you know wanting to go for the bathroom break at 2 or 3am because it was a little bit dangerous I think my son sort of half fell down the staircase at one stage Uh, I think the bathroom door got left open and I had like a catch on the bathroom door to lock it and a couple of people walked into this catch it was like a metal catch and they kind of hurt their arm um, on the door so all these kind of things it's it's kind of hard to describe all of them but although it was a wonderful place to stay it did kind of get on our nerves after a few days now one area I haven't described to you is the beautiful outside area of the barn so this is the first photo in the show notes at mattlovescameras.com the first little photo here is of my handsome son oh gosh he's handsome just like his father this was taken on the Fujifilm Class S with a roll of beautiful Kodak Portra 400 so he's um, got his hair hair parted hair he's actually done his hair for a change so he looks good he's in his brand new Minecraft shirt and I really like the colours and this. It was a bit of an overcast day, but um, yeah, Fujifilm Class is a quality camera and so is Portra 400. Now, the next image, again, is on the Class S Portra 400 combination. And these are is a close-up of some beautiful hydrangeas in the garden. I love these flowers. Uh, they're so beautiful and colourful. And certainly everywhere in England was so green. When we left Australia, everything was so brown. We had no rain. So it was amazing to go to places like Switzerland and England and actually see beautiful gardens. Now, the third photo down was actually taken we've gone from a thousand us dollar compact camera to a two dollar compact camera the next one was taken on my disdairy robot which is a cheap plastic camera with three lenses so i think i featured some photos of the disdairy robot in episode 20 in switzerland and here again i've got the disdairy robot out Again, with the hydrangeas, and it just sort of shows you um, different view of the hydrangeas from a very, very cheap combination, the Desdairy Robot and Kodak Gold 200. And I really like that photo. I think it's really cool how, you know, you've got the, the whole top part of the frame is uh, the whole sort of landscape and then sort of close up the hydrangeas in the bottom two frames. So that is such a cool camera. I love the Desdairy Robot. And the next one again is with the Desdaria robot. This was outside the barn. There's like a little country lane and there's like a wooden fence on my left and the sort of driveway and this sort of big wall, the whole sort of barn area, the whole sort of estate actually is, is has these big old wall around it. Uh, so these were, you know, probably back in the olden days, these were big country estates probably owned by some very rich people. So yeah, it's really fascinating to stay in these old places in the country. Uh, very, very cool.
So my second highlight of Shropshire was all the cool camera goodies that were waiting for me when I arrived. So when I got to Shropshire, would you believe that I had five cameras waiting for me? Yes, yes I did. So when my mother-in-law came over the first night when we arrived, she actually brought all the stuff that had been uh, taking up space at her house, which I had delivered to her house. Um, so I think she was probably glad to get rid of it. I mean, my mother-in-law is lovely, but I'm sure she was glad to get rid of all this camera stuff out of her house. So the first box was a box of three cameras. So about a year ago, there's a lovely lady called Nikki who I used to work with at Walsall Council. And uh, she remembered that I like cameras and photography. So out of the blue, about a year ago, I got a message from Nikki. Hey, we've actually come into these cameras. Um, I think it was a relative of theirs had passed on and she had these three cameras and she wondered if I'd like them. And of course, I said, yes, please. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Nikki. So the three cameras that Nikki gave to my mother-in-law then to give to me, were an Enzyme Selfix. So this was a folding camera sold in the 1930s that takes 120 roll film. The next one was a Wellme 6, which is a Japanese viewfinder camera, which takes six by six images on 120 roll film as well. And the last one was the Bencini Comet, which takes 127 roll film. So despite their age, they're all from, like I'd say, the 30s and 40s, Oh, maybe 50s, I'm not sure. Uh, But despite their age, they all look in fabulous condition and I'm looking forward to playing with them and shooting them in the future. I think maybe the Bencini doesn't feel like it works, but I think the other two look okay. So uh, I'm hoping to, to shoot with at least two of them, fingers crossed. Now, as well as those three vintage cameras that I was gifted, I also made a couple of purchases on eBay before I arrived in the UK. So... Cameras in the UK and in the USA are much cheaper than here in Australia. So the two cameras that I had my eye on and I bought before I arrived in the UK, the first one was the black, <laughs> black red and white, um, or, or is it grey, red and white? I don't know. I'm going to say black, red and white, red, white and black. Uh, the Canon Shot AS1. A Prima AS1. So this is that cool underwater camera that goes by many names. You know, the AS1, the WP1, the A1, but it's that white, red and black or white, red and grey underwater camera. Very, very cool camera. So that was waiting for me in its original pouch with the manual. How good is that? And the second camera that was waiting for me was another sort of little cult classic, the Pentax PC 35 AFM. So I picked them off eBay UK, very, uh, very good prices for both of them. So it was kind of like Christmas. I had five new cameras waiting for me when I got to the UK. Fantastic. So my third highlight of staying in Shropshire was going shopping. Oh my gosh, we spent so many days going shopping. Uh, Of course, the UK has different shops than we have in Australia. And the whole family were sort of fascinated by all the different stuff that you can get in the UK. So my son, I thought my son would be bored. He's not much of a shopper. But when he found out that big companies like Next and Primark sell Minecraft shirts, he kind of went to town. And I think in the end, he bought three or four Minecraft t-shirts, Minecraft pajamas, pajamas, Minecraft slippers. Oh my gosh, he bought so many different Minecraft branded things. So he was in heaven. My daughter and my wife, they also went to town and bought a whole load of stuff. 
I kind of had to go shopping to get an outfit for the wedding. I think I was the only person who didn't have their wedding outfit sorted. My son brought his from Australia. My wife and my daughter were in the wedding party, so they had sort of bridesmaid or flower girl dresses. But I didn't have anything. I thought, I'm going to go buy a nice new suit for the wedding. And I went to Birmingham and sort of went to the Bullring area. I took the whole family. They weren't very happy, to be honest. Um, spending a, It only took like 45 minutes to get there. But I think they moaned for at least 40 out of those 45 minutes. Uh, it sort of made it like as if, you know, we're going to the end of the earth when it was actually just a 45-minute drive. Um, but there's a massive shopping center right in the middle of Birmingham called the Bullring. So we went to Selfridges first. And certainly, if you have a look at the show notes, the first few images... Sorry, not the first few images. The next few images are of the are of the outside of the Selfridges building in Birmingham. Now, people from the UK will know this as a very famous landmark. It's been photographed a gazillion times. So the reason this building is so well known and so well photographed is because it's like a big, tall, oblong building that's several stories high, and it's covered with hundreds of big, round silver discs. So it's a really striking-looking building, and I certainly encourage you to have a look at the show notes uh, at madlovescameras.com or on the Instagram to see uh, exactly what I'm talking about here. And here are my photographs. So the first three photographs are actually the same view with different cameras. And I just thought I'd show you the differences between them. So the first one is the Canon Prima AS1. That's that underwater camera, the white, black, and red camera. And that was taken on Kodak Gold. And I really like that shot. It's got a little bit of warmth to it, um, but that Kodak Gold warm tones, but I really like that. The next one is the Class S with the Portra 400. It's a little bit of a cooler look to the film, um, but again, it's a really nice, really nice shot there. I really like that one. And the third one is with Kodak Gold and the Olympus XA. So it just has a bit of a different look here. Um, the XA is, of course, one of the cameras I brought with me from Australia. Uh, but they all sort of have different but interesting looks. And I think on those three, my preference is actually the, the Class S Portrait 400 one. Uh, so there you go. The next two photos are... The first one is the Desdere Robot. So I took that, the three-lens plastic camera. So you can see three different versions there of the Selfridges building in the one frame. And the fifth image there of Selfridges is taken with the Canon Prima AS1 again on Kodak Gold. And I really like that one. I like the composition of that one. You've got the Selfridges building and it's sort of like this um, down the bottom is kind of like this gold band of the building and you can see a reflection of the car park opposite. And there's also the walkway um, in the bottom left, sorry, the bottom right of the frame is also the, the walkway that connects the shopping center to the car park and it's a beautiful blue sky in the background. So we started looking around all the shops. We started in Selfridges, then we looked at a few other stores that sell suits, but they're all really expensive. Um, so I ended up in Next, who are a very well-known retailer of clothes in the UK, and I found a really nice suit that I liked, and I found a nice pink shirt with a tie, and the shoes and the belts and everything like that. So, you know, 150 or 200 pounds later, I had everything I needed uh, for the wedding, which was great. And I think my wife and my daughter had split off from us at this stage. 
and I took my son because he was getting a bit uh, annoyed with me because I took a while to try everything on. I took him to a nice restaurant uh, in downstairs in Selfridges where they have like these little burger restaurants and they all look kind of posh. They're all sort of like, you know, American diner style places. So we went to one. And I made a fundamental error that I've made several times this year, and I made it once again. I never learn. So I said to the boy, I said, what do you want to eat? He said, I'll have a cheeseburger and chips and a brownie sundae and a chocolate milkshake. Okay, fine, kid. You know, you've, you've done a good job helping dad, so I'll get you all of that. So along comes a chocolate milkshake, and it's pretty big. And then the boy drinks the entire chocolate milkshake. And then the boy says he's full. <laughs> and then all the other food comes out and uh, we have to try and bag it up and take it with us. And then, of course, when mum asks later, what did he have for lunch? I just had a chocolate milkshake, mum, and I was full. So uh, I get in trouble. So, yeah, never buy a small child a milkshake. Well, if you buy a small child a milkshake, make sure you wait till they eat their food first. Uh, so that's uh, another error that I've made in life. I keep making in life. I crept away from the fam at one stage and I went to Waterstones for only about 20 minutes. But wow, I love that store. It's it's so big. It's like, I think it's like five or six stories. It's a bookstore. So it's a big bookstore in the UK, Waterstones. And the one in Birmingham, in the middle of Birmingham is massive. It's you know, five or six stories. There are, must be millions of books in there. And it's just amazing to go in there because we don't actually have bookstores like that in Australia anymore. They're no, nowhere near as big as that. Um, so that's a little bit sad uh, from an Australian point of view, but it was great to, to visit Waterstones. And we also went to places like Primark, which were just a time vortex because of the kids and my wife kept looking at all the stuff. Uh, but eventually we did get out of there. And uh, another day, I think it was, when me and the boy were alone, we actually went to AG Photo Lab. Uh, you may have heard of them through the Sunny 16 podcast, or you maybe you're in the UK and you use them. Uh, but they have a lab, AG Photo Lab, in Birmingham. So I actually went and visited them and dropped off the rolls of film I took in Hong Kong and Switzerland. And maybe also dropped off the test roll for a couple of the cameras I just got as well, I think from memory. So that was pretty cool. Um, it was great to actually visit a photo lab and um, I actually had all my photos scanned by the lab as well. I thought, well, I'm on holidays. I have nowhere to scan my photos and it's not that much extra. I'm just going to get everything processed, like developed and scanned for me. And so probably about 24 hours later, I got a nice little link in my Dropbox and a very exciting time when you get that email from a photo lab saying your scans are waiting. So um, yeah, I really like the scans, really great service from AG Photo. So I really recommend them, they're great. Check out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com. If you're on Instagram, Come say hi at Matt Loves Cameras. Or if you fancy getting in touch, drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com. 
The next highlight of our two weeks in Shropshire was the wedding. Of course, we went over for my sister-in-law's wedding. So that was a great day where there's a whole lot of family. Uh, it was very not lovely to see everyone all together to celebrate um, Dan and Emma's wedding. It was very, very nice. Uh, there's a whole lot of people there from London because that's where Dan was from. And Emma, of course, is my sister-in-law. All her family are, of course, from around, you know, Shropshire in the West Midlands. So, yeah, it was a really nice afternoon. My wife and my daughter were in the bridal party. So um, I took the boy and me and the boy hung out together. And so we sat near the front of the, the wedding venue. And I had actually brought with me a massive bag of cameras, right? Well, <laughs> not a massive bag of cameras, but I took my camera backpack and I had about four or five cameras in there. So I had a digital, I had my Fujifilm class, I had an Instax, and I had a couple other little ones in there as well. Uh, so I took that with me. I felt like a bit of an idiot taking a big backpack to a wedding, but you know, what do you do? So I had a good position there, right on the edge of the aisle, ready to turn around and take photos of my daughter coming out, then my wife, and then of course, uh, my sister-in-law with my father-in-law coming down the aisle. But just before the kickoff, um, there was an announcement from the celebrant, and she said she told everyone that there's a complete photo ban during the ceremony. Um, so they said, you know, please no photos at all from uh, anyone except for the official photographers here. And I wasn't the official photographer, of course. Um, so I basically thought, oh, okay. I, I went and put my camera away. I actually had two cameras. I had my Fujifilm class and I had my digital camera. And I just went and put them away. I thought, oh, okay. So I can't take any photos, um, which is fine. Um, I guess I just wished I'd known that uh, before the wedding, uh, obviously it's, you know, their big day and no problem. I have no problem uh, abiding by any rules or guidelines. Anyone wants to sit down, but, uh, I would have loved to have known that information before the wedding. Cause I, to be honest, I just wouldn't have taken any cameras. I would have just taken my iPhone and taken a few snaps on that. Uh, but there you go. So of course, after they come down the aisle then, and the, all the whole ceremony's done, and my wife comes up to me, why don't you take a photo of me coming down the aisle? Uh, <laughs> so then I had to explain to her um, about it, and she didn't know about it either. But I guess it was good that I took my cameras because we had a nice uh, family photo outside. So I sort of set the camera up and we all got together and someone took a nice photo of us that we're going to get printed out on our wall at home. And I also took a few photos of other people. So it was it was good in the end. Um, so the next photo here is a picture of Emma and Dan taken on the Class S with Portrait 400. And then the next one down is an image of my mother-in-law and my wife hugging. So you can't actually see my mother-in-law's face. Now, some people would say that's the best view of my mother-in-law. Only joking. She's lovely. Her name's Karen, my mother-in-law. She's beautiful. She's lovely. I was only a little cheap gag there. No, she's lovely. But it was a very emotional day. And um, so my wife's hugging her here. Um, so a bit of background info. Um, my wife is one of three sisters. So the lady getting married, Emma, is her little sister. Her older sister, or their older sister, Rachel, she passed away from cancer uh, about 18 months ago. Uh, she was only 37 years old. So very, very emotional day. On top of it being a wedding, of course, the fact that Rachel wasn't there, well, she's probably there in spirit, but she was, you know, she wasn't physically there, um, sort of weighed heavily, I think, on everyone. And actually in the wedding venue, on a side table, there was a little kind of 
I don't know what do you call it uh, a little tribute to Rachel I guess you'd say there was a picture of Rachel on her wedding day which is a photo that I took um, so it's a really beautiful photo of Rachel and uh, yeah that was on a table and had some candles and stuffed flowers around it it was really lovely and I was really proud that you know the photo that they chose was one that I took uh, so yeah it was a very emotional day all around really <laughs> So my next highlight is of a little afternoon we had where we went to a local farm, a fruit farm, and we actually went around picking fruit. So you sort of pay um, a little cover charge, I guess you'd say. I think it was a couple of pounds each and the kids were free. And you go into their like orchards and you pick fruit and you fill up baskets. And then on the way out, you have to pay for the fruit. So uh, but they, they take away the money that you pay as a cover charge. So it's actually, it's not bad price really. So we, we found a whole load of peaches, uh, some strawberries, some blueberries. I think we had some rhubarb in there as well. So this first image is one that I took on my Canon Prima AS1, that underwater camera, on Kodak Portra 160. I put a roll of Portra 160 in it, and I really like this photo. Um, I think it's using quite a wide aperture. My daughter looks pretty sharp. My son, who's not on the same sort of focal plane, he's a little bit further back. He doesn't look quite as sharp. So I'm thinking it was using, you know, quite a, a wide aperture there. Maybe, I don't know, F4, F2.8, I don't know. And uh, I really like the photo. I think it's got great colours and I think it looks great. The next couple of images I have are images of green foliage with red sort of pretty flowers and the blue sky at the top. And I've taken these on two different cameras, the Canon Prima AS1 with Portra 160 and the second one there in the show notes is taken with the Pentax PC35 AFM taken on Portra 400. So it's almost the, an identical photo uh, there, but there's actually quite a bit of difference between the photos. So the one taken on the Canon Prima AS1 looks kind of quite high contrast, quite sort of sharp. Um, so I really like that one. And the bottom one is kind of, I don't know, low contrast, sort of a little bit washed out. So I'm not really sure what's going on there with that Pentax camera. Um, but certainly the images I got out of it with Pen uh, Portra 400, I'm not really over the moon with. Um, so I've got to shoot that camera a bit more and see what else comes up. But it certainly gives some very different looking results uh, to, the, to the Canon camera in this particular image test. And of course, in case you're wondering, the images of the green foliage, they're actually green runner beans, very tall, probably uh, two to three meters tall. So what's that? You know, six to nine feet tall. So yeah, that's what they are. Uh, very, very cool looking. After the fruit farm, we headed around to a garden centre <laughs> and we the garden centre was a bit boring, actually. I think we used to enjoy going there when we used to live in England 10 years ago, but it was kind of like, mm, this is really boring. So we had a look at all the fish because they have like a fish section and um, like, you know, aquarium sort of section. That was pretty cool. And then we went outside and they had like an ice cream van. So the next image here again is on that Canon Prima AS1 with a Portra 160 and it's Mr. Whippy or Mr. Super Whippy and he's giving a ice cream cone to my son. You can just see my son's hand um, grabbing the cone off Mr. Super Whippy there. Then right next to the whippy truck, there was a little carnival amusements ride area, which was really cool. I think it was really cheap. I think it was like five pounds each for the kids and they could spend two hours on all these rides. 
Uh, I think we only stayed there for about an hour, but the kids went on everything at least once, and some rides I went on two or three times. So the next one is again on the Canon AS1, Prima AS1, again on Kodak Portra 160, and it's them on this kind of teacups ride that sort of you go around and around, and then your individual carriage goes in a circle as well. Uh, makes me feel sick just thinking about it. <laughs> Now, I will do a review on that Canon Prima AS1, that Canon red, white, and black underwater camera at some stage in the future, hopefully before Christmas, but it might be early 2020. But I'm really impressed by the images that come out of it so far, and I, I, I really love it. It's just got a really cool feel to it. I love the fact it kind of looks like a toy camera or a comical kind of camera, and people probably don't take you seriously when you whip it out and take photos, um, but I've kind of fallen in love with it. I absolutely love it. Uh, so yeah, there was three photos in a row there that I took with that camera that I really liked taking. So after the wedding, we left the barn, we packed up all our stuff, our baggage train, and we went and stayed with my wife's auntie and uncle for a few days. So that's Auntie Shirley and Uncle Mark, who are a lovely, lovely couple, and it was amazing to stay with them. They made us feel extremely welcome. Um, every night we had beer and wine, and we stayed up chatting. Every time they had dinner, they had all this food, amazing food they got. Um, so it was just an amazing experience to stay with them. They sort of pulled out all the stuff stops and made us feel very welcome. It was actually really warm when we were there and even better than it being really warm, the cricket was on. So the Australian cricket team were in England touring and it was great to watch some of the cricket live on TV while I was in England. So the series between Australia and England is known as the Ashes. So when they play the long form of the game against each other, which is test match cricket, Games can go up to five days at a time, <laughs> and uh, that's called Test Match Cricket. And the matches between Australia and England are called the Ashes. And it's all because a long time ago, in 1882, Australia beat England for the first time in England. And there was an obituary in the paper the next day saying that the body of English cricket will be cremated and the Ashes taken to Australia. And then when it was England's turn to tour Australia, the English cricket captain at the time said it was time to regain those ashes. So that's where the phrase, the ashes, has come from. And there's actually a little terracotta urn, and it said that someone took the wickets, which are made of wood, and burnt some of them and actually put it in this tiny little urn. Um, but the urn never actually moves. The urn stays in London all the time. It's very, very fragile, so they say, and it can't travel to a Australia. So even even when Australia win the Ashes, the, the trophy actually stays in London, which is a little bit crazy, but there you go. So the Ashes were on. Now, even though um, this is probably the most famous cricket match in the world, the Ashes, the most famous cricket series, it wasn't actually the first cricket match in 1882, the first international cricket match. Cricket's been played for centuries. But the first international cricket match was played by two countries that you would not associate with cricket. Would you like to guess who first played cricket against each other? Well, I'm going to spoil it for you. <laughs> it was actually the USA and Canada. The first international match of cricket. In fact, the first international match in any sport was in 1844, and it's when the Canadians visited New York and they played an American side at cricket. 
So that's pretty cool. I think at the time it was billed as the United States of America versus the British Empire's Canadian province. Sounds very grand, doesn't it? And for the record, Canada won by 23 runs. So very, very cool. So when we were at Shelley and Mark's, it was actually the third test was on, the third game of up to five days that was on. And so Australia had started pretty strongly in the first few days and everyone thought Australia were going to win. And it got actually really tight towards the end where everyone thought Australia was going to win the match, but there's always a tiny chance that England could have won. So I actually headed into the local town called Bridge North and I met up with a friend of mine, Dan. We used to work together years ago when I worked for the council in Walsall in the West Midlands. So I met up with Dan. It was great to see him. We tried to get the TV in the pub to be put onto the cricket, but the football season had started and trying to get the TV changed from football in any English pub is nigh on impossible. So we actually sat around Dan's mobile phone and we watched his the mobile coverage on the mobile phone, which wasn't the best screen in the world, but hey, at least we could watch it. And as the hours wore on, we had a good chat, had a beer or two, and the extremely unlikely event happened and England actually won the match and uh, you know at the start of the day I don't think there was many people who thought England would win but they uh, fought really hard and much to my um, disappointment (laughs) Australia lost the match so Dan was very happy. Now, as well as going into the local town, Bridge North, with Dan to see the cricket, I also went there a few times with the family. It's a lovely little town, Bridge North. I think if I ever move back to England, I'd want to live somewhere near there. It's a really lovely town. It's kind of got like a high town and a low town. It's built on some kind of, I don't know, some kind of big cliff or something, I guess you could say. There's a really cool cliff railway, which is a little bit of a, like a, this kind of weird looking tram thing it's not even a tram I don't even know how to say what it is it's like an elevator um, that goes up and down the side of the cliff it's been there for over 100 years there's remains of a castle there's all these big churches and beautiful little cottages so it's a, it's a really cool place uh, there's also a lot of black and white buildings it's one of those areas of England where those very traditional black and white buildings exist and uh, the next photo it's actually not actually a black and white sort of Tudor building but it has got the same kind of look to it it's just an old sort of pub in the very traditional black and white colors So I think it's called the Shakespeare Inn by the look of it. And this photo was taken on the Pentax PC35 AFM on Kodak Portra 400. Now that Pentax PC35 AFM, it's a camera a lot of people sort of, you know, point and shoot, a lot of people sort of rave about and they love. I don't know. I think the jury's out for me. Um, I didn't really get on with it that well. Uh, It just seemed like a bit of an odd camera to me. But uh, I'll I'll shoot a few more rolls with it and I'll see how I get on with it. But it could be one that I might just get rid of uh, because I'm not sure, you know, that camera is for me. And the final image I have here in the show notes is taken on the Canon Prima AS1 on Kodak Portra 160. And it's an image I took during my Live in the UK episode, which if you go back through the back catalogue of Matt Love's cameras, you'll find. And it's an image of the locks along the Staffordshire and Worcestershire Canal, where I spent a lovely little couple hours uh, recording a podcast and enjoying looking at the canal boats go up and down the locks.
Now, the last little highlight I want to tell you about for our two weeks in Shropshire was, again, what we were staying with uh, Auntie Shirley and Uncle Mark. And I actually saw a car boot sale sign in a little town called, well, not even a town, it's more like a village called Norton in Shropshire. So on Sunday morning, I said to my missus, I said, hey, do you want to come to this car boot with me? And she said, yep, no worries. Any any chance to get away from the kids for 20 minutes is okay by me. So we left the kids uh, with uh, Mark and Shirley and we drove down to the Norton car boot. It was another beautiful day. It was really warm. And uh, we walked around the car boot. The car boot is where you have a big field. Everyone drives on and opens up their car boot traditionally. Um, and they sort of have, you know, they sell stuff, sell junk or sell trash and treasure at the back of their car boots. Some people were a little bit more organized and had tables. Other people just had rugs down, you know, picnic rugs and put all their stuff on there. So we probably, ha- it's probably like 50 to 60 people at this car boot. This, is, this isn't a very big place. This is a tiny little village and there were 50 or 60 sellers. So I thought that was a really good turnout. Um, so we wandered around. I saw one little camera, but it didn't look that good. And I think the lady wanted like 10 pound for it. So I left it. And then I hit gold, my friends. So I saw a guy with all this photographic gear on the ground. And there were three cameras that caught my eye. So there were three little point and shoots on the ground. And the first one, I've got it here, is a Fujifilm Zoom Date 115S. So this is the kind of compact zoom, 38 to 115 millimeter zoom. It's got a bit of an LCD on the back there. And I've battery tested that one and it does work. Winner, winner. So that's great. The next one here is Panasonic in a pouch, Panasonic Mini. It's a big bulky kind of camera. It kind of feels like a Kodak Instamatic, you know, those sort of 126 cartridge cameras. It kind of has that very bulky feel to it. Uh, It does work. I put batteries in it and I've actually shot a roll of film through it. It's cool kind of looking camera. Um, The images, well, I'll tell you about the images I took with this one in the next episode of Matt Loves Cameras. But it has got a flash on-off button and a couple of fancy things like that. So it does look like a cool camera. And the other one I got was an Olympus, I think it was something like an Olympus XB400 or something like that. So that camera is one which, uh, if you head over to Dave Mahali's The Old Camera Guy YouTube channel, he's actually just reviewed that camera. And so that camera is the same camera that I also got in this from this guy at the car boot. So I said to the guy, how much do you want for these cameras, mate? And he said, oh, you can have three for a fiver. So I was like, winning. Yes, please. I'll take them. And then I saw on the ground, there was this bag of expired film. So I said to him, I said, oh, how much do you want for the expired film? And he said, oh, you can have that. I said, oh, you little ripper. Thanks, mate. So in the bag of expired film, which I have here, I've actually shot a couple of rolls of it, but there were three rolls of Jessup's Everyday Diamond 200 speed print film with the price of £2.99 back in the day. So Jessup's are a very big retailer of photographic stuff. Um, They used to sell cameras. I used to buy my cameras from Jessup's in the UK. They had good deals. And they also used to do um, developing and printing and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, that's Jessup's home brand film. Now, it wasn't until I got home to Australia that I actually realized there's a couple of other rolls of film in here. So there's a roll of Kodakolor Gold 100. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to shooting that. And even kind of rarer than that, not saying it's rare, but it's rarer, Kodakolor 2. 
C41 process film for colour prints, 24 exposures. So that's a roll, a 35mm roll of Coda Colour 2. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to shooting that one. It's got a really old school kind of look to the canister. Probably, I don't know, from the maybe 70s or early 80s. It looks very cool anyway. So bargain, I got some free expired film as well. So I'm just about to walk away from this guy, you know, saying thank you very much. And my wife said, oh, what about those three cameras on the ground over there? And I was like, oh, you know, they're bigger kind of, you know, 50s cameras and they're kind of heavy and stuff. She goes, well, why don't you just buy them? Ask the man how much they are. So my wife's actually egging me on for gas here, right? <laughs> egging me on for gear acquisition syndrome. So I said to the guy, I said, oh, are these three, are they three for fiver as well? And he said, yeah, they're three for fiver. So I picked him up and took him with me as well. So there was a, an EXA camera with a Myroptic Gurlitz dummy plan lens on there. There was a, uh, this one here in my hand, it's an Agfa Select. Now, when I picked this up at the car boot sale, it wasn't working, uh, and neither was the EXA camera. The EXA camera, though, I thought, well, it's got a nice Myroptic Gurlitz lens on there. Maybe I can buy an adapter and use it in digital or something like that. So I just, you know, because my wife told me to, I just bought all the cameras. And there was also another camera, guys, but I can't actually find where it is. Um, I'm cataloging my cameras at the moment. I've just gone past the 100 cameras mark, even though I've just sold some. I don't think there's actually too many more than 100, but I don't actually know where that third camera from the car boot is. Uh, but I'll tell you about that if I ever find it. So after the car boot sale, we went back to Shelley and Mark's and was sort of my wife sort of told them about all these cameras I just bought that were in the boot of the car. And then about 10 minutes later, Mark appeared with a little present for me. So he brought me a camera that had been in his family. I think it was his dad's. It's a Kodak Brownie Flash 2 camera made in England by Kodak Limited London. So it's like a box camera, very good condition. It comes with the original case, uh, open it up. And of course it takes Kodak. 620 film so I'm going to uh, get some kind of adapters and I'm going to shoot that camera so believe it or not this brought the total of my camera acquisition on the trip in England up to 12 so I acquired 12 cameras of course I had the three from Nikki my former workmate I bought two off eBay it's five I had the one from Mark, which I just told you about, which is six, and I got six at a car boot sale. So I acquired 12 cameras. How crazy. Now, you may have heard me talk about the Canon AE1 program I took on holiday with me to the UK and to Switzerland and to Hong Kong, the broken AE1 program, which I put a roll of film through, but there was something wrong with the shutter curtains and it made that horrible squeaky shutter noise. So I took it with me on holiday and I actually teed up a guy, a well-known sort of camera guy to get it repaired with. Um, there was a bit of a, a breakdown in communication between both of us and long story short, he sort of said, well, sorry, I can't repair it now because I'm on holidays next week or something. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. So uh, I actually had a chat in the, the podcasters chat. There's a, a group of us podcasters who have a little messenger chat. And I said, hey, guys in the UK, who can I send it to? Who can I send this camera to? I need to send this camera. I don't want to carry it around anymore. And Hamish from 35MMC suggested I send it to Miles Whitehead, who's a camera technician. So I sent it off to Miles. And a long story short, uh, I sent it to Miles when I was in England. 
And a few weeks later, when I got back to Australia, he repaired it and sent it to me in Australia uh, at a very good cost, very reasonable cost. Um, considering there was international postage and all that kind of stuff. And he did a great job. I've put a test roll through that AE1 program and it is the images look fantastic. Um, I actually shot at the same time a roll through my Nikon FM3A. And you know what? I think I prefer the images from the AE1 program, um, but I only shot a, a couple of rolls on each. Um, so there's probably a lot more testing to do. But the Canon AE1 program has got that 51.4 lens. And that is, uh, it looks a little bit magical. It looks like a really good lens. So I'm looking forward to shooting that one a bit more as well. Now, in episode 20 of Matt Loves Cameras, I asked people to send me little audio clips of their favorite travel and camera combos. So it could be a Pentax 67 in New York, or it could be Fujifilm Class S in Tokyo. And I've had two people, thank you so much, send me little audio clips. So the first audio clip is from Dustin, who of course is one of the podcasts of the very cool Grainy Days podcast. And here is what Dustin said. Hey Matt, Dustin here from Grainy Days Podcast and at For the Love of Grain on Instagram. Just getting in touch about my favorite camera and travel destination. I would have to say it is definitely the United States National Parks. My wife and I like to travel a lot. And I generally tend to take my Hasselblad 500CM and my Olympus XA2. Thanks so much, Dustin. The Olympus XA2. I don't have one of those, but I do have the Olympus XA, and I really, really loved using it as a travel camera on this trip overseas. So I think the XA2 would be a very good choice as well. Make sure you check out the Granny Days podcast. Of course, Dustin is one of the three hosts along with Edward and Mac. And I've really enjoyed some of their episodes lately. Uh, There was a good one with Anne Holland, who's a very good instant photographer. And also there was one, a good one with uh, Timothy Ditzler, who, of course, is one of the hosts of Analog Talk. Now, the second call-in I had was a little bit longer. It was from Our Man in Thailand. The one, the only, Matt Jones. So take it away, Matt. Hello, Matt Loves Camera podcast listeners. Uh, It's Matt Jones here. Um, Matt made a call out for vacation locations and um, which cameras you recommend. So I just thought I might chip in here. This won't be very long, don't worry. Um, my, it was actually quite difficult for me to think of my favourite um, holiday location because I actually moved to my favourite holiday location in about 2007 and I'm still here, it's Thailand. Um, there's not really another place that I prefer to be, especially I work away from home quite a bit and I'm always overjoyed to come back. Um, Thailand is definitely one of the best countries in the world. Um, And the camera that I choose, well, you know, we're photographers, aren't we? So, you know, what camera do you take when you go on holiday? It's always the the biggest decision, the hardest decision. It's, It's worse than my wife trying to choose shoes to go to a dance. Um, but the camera that oh, I'm probably always going to throw in the bag is my uh, Lomo LCA 120. I like 120 film, 
I like the uh, the resolution that it that it gets. I, I just like the larger format. Um, the LCA one twenty is light. It's made of plastic. You can tell the shutter sound. It's very plasticky. Um, a little bit prone to breaking. A little bit expensive. So I recommend you buy one uh, new on warranty, as I did. And each time it breaks, you just keep sending it back, and they give you new a new one, which I did. But then finally it ran out of warranty and I turned it into a red window camera, half frame red window camera, and I actually love it even more. It's way more reliable and um, and I just really like the medium format half frame. So it's like 25 millimeter high and 55 millimeter wide. So it's like sort of like double almost, not quite, a 35 mil frame. Um, it's... Aperture priority, which is perfect for traveling and vacations because you don't have to worry. You don't have to take a light meter. You can just point and click. It's uh, zone focus, which is also really handy. And you, you only have, uh, you got four choices, 0.6 of a meter. So, you know, an extreme close up one meter, two and a half meters and infinity. Um, and I really, I like that because you don't have to... F- really think too much you'd look that's about that far away click and snap you got it um the lens has a cover which also makes it great for traveling you just slide it up and that turns the camera off um so you can, then you can throw it in your bag and, and it won't take any accidental shots um it's not really much bigger than a 35 mil point and shoot either um which is which is great and the batteries it takes i'm pretty sure they're they're either double a or triple a two of them anyway they're the ones that you can easily just get at your local 7-eleven or um or milk bar or whatever so yeah that's that's about it thanks for enduring this uh the lomo lca 120 and particularly my modified one and Thailand, that's my uh, favourite holiday destination where I just happen to live permanently. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks so much, Matt. And uh, I did not realise how difficult it is a question that I posed people until I actually had to think about it myself as well. How can I just pick one camera and one country? Um, but I've narrowed it down to this. I'm going to choose my Olympus LT1, which is a, a Mew one by any other name. It's just wrapped up in a fancy leather jacket. And uh, I'm going to choose Australia, even though I love so many countries. Uh, I really loved, loved the images I took with the LT1 here in Australia earlier in the year. So I'm going to choose the Olympus LT1 point and shoot uh, and Australia. There you go. If you'd like to tell me what your favorite travel destination is, along with your favorite camera, don't forget to head over to Instagram at Matt Loves Cameras. Click on the or tap on the message tab for me, and then we go into a private chat and you can press and hold the microphone and leave a little message and I'll play it on the show. If you are even mildly coherent, no problem, I will play it. 
Now, at the start of the show, you probably heard me say, Shropshire, how wonderful. Now, you may think that I've gone completely crazy, uh, but there will only be probably Aussies over a certain age who will get that reference. Uh, So in the late 90s or mid-90s, there was actually a coffee ad here in Australia, and I think it's on YouTube. I'll try and find it for you guys. Look, it's not very politically correct. I'll put that out there. But the punchline of the ad was basically this woman's trying to chat this guy up in the supermarket. She thinks that he's from Kenya, from Africa. And, uh, you know, she, she, t- she says, oh, I like things that are really exotic, like where you're from. And he says, Shropshire, how wonderful. So for many, many years, uh, I actually, actually used to live in Shropshire in England uh, for about 10, 12 years. And when you used to come back to Australia... The only thing that people knew about Shropshire in Australia was this ad, the coffee ad. And so you'd say, oh, where do you live in England? Do you live in London? No, no, I live in in Telford in Shropshire. Oh, Shropshire, how wonderful. So um, (laughs) it's really annowing. And like I said, I'll I'll see if I can find the YouTube clip of the ad, but it's from Australia in the 1990s, not very politically correct. So if you're easily offended, don't watch it. So just to finish off the show, I have to tell you about a very exciting competition I'm going to be running. The first Matt Loves Cameras podcast competition, and it's a film giveaway. Yes, friends, it's a very special film giveaway. I'm going to be giving away quite a good little package of film in early December. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because on the 28th of November, it's actually the one-year birthday of Matt Loves Cameras. I lasted a year podcasting. Who would have known that I would have lasted a year? And so to celebrate that and also to get something in the mail to someone uh, for the festive season, I'm going to be giving away uh, quite a nice little package of film uh, to somebody in very early December. So you do not want to miss out on this one. Now, competition details will be on my Instagram or the show's Instagram, Matt Loves Cameras. And you'll be able to find out about the competition from lunchtime, from about midday, on Saturday the 16th of November. So that will be uh, in Brisbane time. So by the time it's lunchtime in London or San Francisco or New York or Cologne or Tokyo, the details will be up. So check from lunchtime on the 16th, Saturday the 16th of November on the Instagram, Matt Loves Cameras, and all the details of the competition will be there. And as loyal listeners, you'll also have a bonus way of entering the competition but I'll talk about that next time on the next episode. That's it for this episode of Matt Loves Cameras. I hope you have enjoyed the show. Once again, it has gone way longer than I anticipated. I'm going to be back very soon with another travel special when I met a giant of film photography podcasting. He's actually very tall. When Matt met Graham. So don't forget to tune in next time to listen to that one. And don't forget about this film giveaway competition on Matt Loves Cameras Instagram. So you do not want to miss out on this one. Keep listening, tell your friends, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye.
Music in the show is on a Creative Commons license. The end by Cassie. Soundcloud.com forward slash Cassie NMZ. Check the show notes for the link.